0: Well sounds gun. Take
1: your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape!
0: So is it good to be back, Charlie? Is it good to be back in the old uh, podcasting chair?
2: I mean, it is, but it doesn't really, even just after doing a couple of episodes, it doesn't really feel like I've been away. It's very odd. Yeah. Yeah, but it it was, what, two years? Two and a bit years, I think, yeah. Yeah, because the the last recording before Trainspotting would have been the 100th Bonanza. Yeah.
0: Was that the Shawshank? Redemption,
2: yep. yeah, and the Italian job,
0: we did ninety nine and one hundred, didn't we, on the same afternoon? Mm. Well, again, evening again. <laughs> mixed opinions there on two movies. <laughs> again, the, the Italian job. I thought Paul would have been all over that.
3: Yeah, and I thought I would have having memories of it, but. No, really, didn't like it as an adult.
2: That <laughs> was the issue for you though, wasn't it? It was like you felt like it was pure nostalgia that tricked you into thinking it was one of your favourite
3: yeah. yeah. Bit like um
2: from
0: Space Jam.
2: Space Jam. <laughs>
0: oh <What's> yeah.
2: <laughs> sequels That's on the way. Yeah. 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 That Hobie mm-hmm. Bryant will be in it,
0: but I, I doubt it, mate. Lying in specially, will he? Um, <laughs> Liam's already got his ticket for the midnight screening. No doubt. I bet. I bet. Stuffed Bugs Bunny in his back pocket and a box of tissues in the other. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
3: that's, that's just so wrong.
0: <laughs> As I said, Charlie, you bring out the worst in me. It's been quite reserved and quite, you know, semi-serious. Genteel. For the last two years, yeah, you know, we've tried to have intelligent conversations about fairly intelligent movies, but neither neither of those aspects has worked. (laughs) I mean, what was the most highbrow movie, Paul? We must have covered. I don't think there is anything highbrow, is there, in the last two years? Badlands. Oh, that's a Charlie movie. Got on, that's mate. a classic. Yeah, that's, that's a classic. That is. Terence Malik. Yes, Badlands and Paper Moon, I think, would have been a, a Charlie special, wouldn't they, Paul? I think he would have. Mm, you know, yeah. Would have been loved to yeah, be a part of
3: that. Badlands was really good. Fantastic film. Yeah. Yeah. Space it. I mean, she was like much like a sort of 16, 17 year seventeen-year-old. Got away yeah. with
2: it. And it's always a struggle.
0: Ar- mm, sorry, always going always back to the Audrey struggling. Hepburn conversation last week
2: that's the thing with those films though isn't it for sort of ethical it has yeah. to be a much older thinking of another Scorsese film with uh, Cape Fear oh yeah, God, yeah.
3: that was uh, what? Juliet. Juliet Juliet Lewis yeah mm-hmm. yeah because she was what, supposed to be like 13 in that film I think 14
0: well look at Jodie Foster in Taxi
2: Driver yeah <laughs> I'm starting to worry about Scorsese yeah
0: <laughs> Um, it's a bit of a it's not a first but it's a bit of a novelty for us guys because we haven't done many documentaries we certainly haven't done any concert movies as I hinted earlier let's let's try and bring some sort of like structure to this we've had emails he goes away for two years we get fucked up and then all of a sudden two turn up within a week
3: are they complaints?
0: Um, <laughs> and they're actually from genuine <laughs> listeners as well which is also a bit of a surprise
1: And
2: it's black and white oh, we've got some emails.
0: Okay, we're still keeping that old email jingle, guys. I, I, I don't think we need to ring it down as a, a classic in jingle history.
2: That one. It's very much the music of jingles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Our first email. It was sent to us on the 16th of April, so at the time of recording, it's only about two weeks ago, and it refers to an episode that Paul and I recorded Oh, a few months ago, Paul, I think it may have been just after Christmas, a Superman episode. Oh, I think we did Airplane on the same day. Yeah, we
3: did, yeah.
0: Yeah. That was before Christmas. I think it may have been. It was one of the last ones we put out before Christmas, because we didn't do a Christmas... And wait for this, it's from our old friend Robbie Polanco. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> Again, coming out of the woodwork for some fucking reason since you've appeared, boy. I don't know what this is all about, anyway.
2: <laughs> I'm fucking racking my brains.
0: <laughs> Dear Stinking pause. that was a terrific throw to the episode with the Superman. As a kid, I watched the TV version dozens of times, commercials and all. I get to read the comics, but the movie made me an instant fan of Superman. The comparison of Christopher Reeves being perfect for the role and Chris Evans as Captain America. That must have been something you said, Paul, because I certainly wouldn't have said that.
3: Liam was there as well. Uh, So it could have been him.
0: Yeah, Marvel would have been. Am I the only one who likes Henry Cavill as the Man of Steel? I'm going to say no, because I quite like the new Supermans. I don't think... Charlie's not even seen them, have you, mate? Uh,
3: um, Yeah, I'm with Charlie. I I think the last one I saw was...
0: Justice League.
3: No, no, I haven't even seen that, Mm. no. I gave up on them, like I gave up on Batman.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a mention of Batman coming up now, because then Robbie says, I feel sorry for Ben because fans didn't agree he was a good choice from the start. Cheers,
3: Robbie. i is a good actor. Yep. Just not as Batman.
0: <laughs> I like the old grizzled Batman. You know, the old warrior, you know, at the end of his term sort of thing, but... No, <laughs> talking to Charlie about men in rubber suits isn't Starter mm-hmm. anyway, isn't it?
2: That's <laughs> another conversation. Not, we, we, not the ones yeah. we talk about on here anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've never covered a superhero movie apart from Superman. It was our first one. But I think it was a wise decision rather than to go with the big franchise stuff that's, you know, fucking everywhere now. I, I think the classic 78 Superman was a, was a wise decision. And it will always stand the test of time. I think. Paul's, no. Really? <laughs> You think yeah, it's, it's dated?
3: Okay. Yeah, special effects wise, oh, and that.
2: Yeah. But, it's rare um, to, have to have dated, isn't yeah. it? Seventy-eight.
3: Yeah, but I mean, it was great in its day. Uh, those special effects were way ahead of their
0: time. But oh, the poster said, "You'll believe a man can fly." Mm. Off A horse. <laughs> <laughs> that was wait, <laughs> waiting for the fucking horse. <laughs>
2: I I did well not to just sort of go in straight away, to be fair. That's that's me.
0: As I read out the name Christopher Reeve in that email, I could see you stifling something there. I don't know what it was, but your hand went up to a little, no, not an erection, your hand went up to a little chubby face as if to like. (laughs)
2: Pudgy little hands. Yeah, your pudgy little (laughs) hands. Oh,
0: Thanks, Robbie. And that's great to hear from Robbie after all this time. That is absolutely brilliant. Nice to know that Robbie's been with us from the bloody beginning almost as well, you know. And it's really good to hear that Robbie's listening and, and still contributing. He's also, he does that thing on Twitter where he tweets along as he listens to the podcast. He's been doing that again recently. So, Robbie, thank you very much, sir. Okay, we've had another email, which was a week later. This particular correspondent is probably the biggest Charlie Mahoney fan that I know it um, has been badgering me for the last two years to get you back on the show and he was over the moon when he found out you were coming back mate it's Morris our dear friend Morris from Love That Album and just to rub salt in the wound a little bit more Paul it starts off hey Scott and Charles
3: that's, that's disgusting it, I'm sorry. I, I know my place <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just a super sub
0: <laughs> no mentioning this whatsoever Paul she might as well go and have see, a see I fag, feel mate. terrible now <laughs>
2: <laughs> we've been about Yoko Ono <laughs>
0: Hey Scott and Charles, first of all, welcome back to Charlie. Great to hear us on the podcast. You're the only person I can think of who could call someone a cunt and still be classy.
2: That's debatable, but I'll take that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Your return episode was great. A little disturbing that you saw train spotting at eight years old, Charlie, but that probably explains a lot. Fair. I <laughs> I actually didn't see the film until about five or six years ago, but I did read the book about twenty years back. I did love what you brought up as its episodic nature. Irving Welsh writing it with the Scottish brogue meant that I could hear the characters in my head as they were meant to be heard. Now, I'm going to need your comments on this bit because I'm not familiar with this, Charlie. I've read a few of his books, a fantastic author, although his novel, The Bedroom Secrets of the Master Chefs*, didn't
2: do it for me. It's not a great one. It's one of the... Well, it's quite a while ago now, but it's a bit of a kind of poor man's retelling of Jekyll and Hyde, in a way. Right. Um... Which I mean, Stevenson's one of his literary heroes, like being from Edinburgh as well. Of course, yeah. But yep. yeah, it, I think the problem is, is that Irving Welsh became so disturbed uh, by being sort of labelled as a literary figure that he almost did everything he could on purpose to make his work a little bit more lowbrow after uh, Train Spotting.
0: Uh, right, okay.
2: And mm. and it has some pretty shocking results at times. Even though he's still one of my favourites.
0: Mm. OK, so a fair comment there from Morris. From yeah. Looking forward to hearing you gents talk about the last one. Aside from one episode of See Here, where we talked about a whole bunch of favourite concert films, we've not been game to talk about one concert film for a whole show, so fair play to you. It's a film I love a lot, and I've even seen a few times at our rep cinema. It was an interesting double with Scorsese's Shine A Light. I look forward to hearing you gents wax lyrical about Neil Young's Coke Booger, <laughs> the Neil Diamond toilet break and Charlie, <laughs> and Charlie calling Van Morrison a cunt. <laughs> How did he know? <laughs> read you like a book. He's a dear friend, Morris. This is the thing. He, he knows us inside out. This man. Uh, I have tears in my eyes just thinking about it. Seriously, the Staple Singers doing the wait and the band opening the film with their finale. Baby, don't you do it? Sorry. And the band, opening the film with their finale, Baby Don't You Do It. Yeah. Why am I having trouble reading that sentence? I'm going to read it for a third time. And the band... Is it
3: just reading? You're it is.
0: <laughs> and the band, opening the film with their finale, Baby Don't You Do It, are highlights in a film full of highlights. Thanks for making my life brighter with nations, gents. Cheers, Morris. Morris has been with us pretty much from day one. And as well as a fellow podcaster and a fan of the show. He has become a true friend as well, hasn't he, Charlie? I think it's fair absolutely. to say. Yes, and absolutely. would urge anybody to seek out Love That Album. And see here. Thank you. Again, senior moment there. Sorry, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. We're getting emails. Not from crazed loons from North Kent. You know, we're actually getting one well, one from America, one from New York, and one from Melbourne there.
3: yeah. And apparently I sent one in as well, didn't
2: I? You did. Yeah, that was uh, quite a shocking little uh, diatribe of Bilge. <laughs> <laughs> He's glad to have you, Billy, mate. I've <laughs> got to watch The Last Waltz, I'm imagining.
0: We'll soon find out. <laughs> I've lined up an extra special quiz at the end of this for you guys. Let's play the trailer. It's The Last Waltz. It's Martin Scorsese. It's the band. We'll be back after this.
1: Object is to keep your balls on the table and knock everybody else's off. The band has been together 16 years. It's a damn impossible way of life. Sun, don't
2: I couldn't uh, live with 20 years on the road. I don't think I could even discuss it. We gave our final concert, the band's final concert. We call it the last walls. Such a night. Such a night. Why'd you have the guilt so drunk and
1: lead me on that way? You just picked up a hitcher. Prisoner of the white lines on the freeway. taken a lot of the great ones. Hank Williams, Buddy Holly, Otis Redding, Janice, Jimi Hendrix, Elvis. It's a goddamn impossible way of life.
0: Scorsese. The Last Waltz, released in the USA on the 26th of April 1978, directed by Martin Scorsese. I've got a synopsis here, and it is not your pretty snappy synopsis, so bear with me on this one chap. 17 years after joining forces as the backing band for rockabilly cult hero Ronnie Hawkins, Canadian Roots Rockers, the band Call It Quits, with a lavish farewell show at San Francisco's Winterland Ballroom on November the 26th, 1976. Filmed by Martin Scorsese, this documentary features standout performances by rock legends such as Bob Dylan, Van Morrison, Eric Clapton, Joni Mitchell and Muddy Waters, as well as interest tracing the group's history and discussing life on the road. Before we start, concert took place November 26, 1976. What's the significance of that date? Do you guys know?
2: Thanksgiving.
0: It is Thanksgiving
3: sorry stop there a second
0: you got a woodpecker in your house mate what's that <laughs> yeah.
3: it's my washing up sitting on the side um making a bid for freedom da- someone downstairs is using the washing machine so it vibrates all the way up that's
2: let me just that my... way sitting on it <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> let me just move a few <laughs> <laughs> now it stops
2: brilliant
0: woody woodpecker you i'm just waiting for the motorbike charlie Oh my it
2: will. God. It, it, there's no way it's not going to happen. It will. It will happen. Just talk about him while he's gone.
0: <laughs> I can give you the answer to my question while he's not there.
2: <laughs> no, that's that's. <laughs> so what did you say? November twenty fifth, 1976 November twenty
0: sixth, nineteen seventy six. It is an Independence Day. It's a very special Independence Day. Uh, Bermuda. <laughs> Bermuda. It was the Bicentennial, 1776, 1976 oh, it was that it was gosh, massive yeah. massive 200- year celebration. so fancy putting on a final concert on like the one of the biggest days in like American history where everybody was celebrating the Bicentennial celebrations you
3: know. but they did serve all the audience um, a turkey dinner before the show. Did they? Yeah, they started at like five o'clock in the afternoon and didn't start the actual concert till nine. And they had a sit-down turkey dinner for everyone and a bit of ent- entertainment before they'd done the show. That
2: was a I bet alter. Neil Young didn't eat his, though. <laughs> <laughs> Not peckish.
0: Mm. Snorting the stuffing or something. Him, yeah.
2: But, yeah, that's, that's quite interesting when you think that, that, I mean, there's a couple of songs and a couple of references to, like, the Civil War and the Confederate mm. flag as well. Yeah.
0: We haven't covered too many documentaries on the show. I think, Charlie, the only one we did was When We Were Kings, which was the boxing one with Muhammad
2: Ali and George Foreman, didn't we? It's the
0: only documentary we did.
2: Yeah, and that wasn't exactly the early days either, was it?
0: No, about 20 episodes in or
2: something. I'm sure it it would have been, yeah, one of the later ones that I did, to be fair. Yeah, because don't don't forget...
0: mm. I don't
2: think we've done one, have we, Scott?
0: We've done Grizzly Man and Super Size, mate. Oh, yeah, the uh, Burner Hart show?
3: Sure. Yeah, the great, oh, great, Man was great brilliant. documentary. <laughs> so, so weird, but
0: brilliant. It, yeah. It's it's a genre we don't cover very often, and I think we ought to, because every documentary we have covered has been pretty good. we found something, you know, within those documentaries, but... Concert sort of like films and documentaries are good ones are very few and far. but I think you'll agree, won't you guys? I think the only one that we could probably compare to this might be stopped. Um, stop making sense.
3: Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been a few years since I've seen that, but yeah. Uh, mostly, if you've got a concert or a live live performance, it's it's concentrating on that and the crowd's reaction. And this was very much not that. It was concentrating really on whoever was singing or playing the guitar at the time. And I mean,
0: I think there's only one or
3: two shots of the crowd.
0: I was going to say, is there any audience reaction? I can't think.
2: The only time I can think of seeing the audience is when Van Morrison's performing right near the end.
3: Well, they're all walking. Yeah. 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 You see little bits of the people at the front, but yeah, there's very few wide angle shots, which you'd expect from, Anything of a live concert, wouldn't
0: you? you can imagine like the, the, the say, a queen concert or whatever, because it was the spectacle of the huge not ninety thousand mm. people, wasn't it, or rocking in Rio quarter of a million. It was like, whoa, look how many people are here? This was a more intimate last hurrah for them, wasn't it? You know they'd gone back to the venue where they first performed, and you know you can tell it's a ballroom from the, the chandeliers and the decorations and that. But at the beginning, I- do you remember it's, it all looked a bit shabby didn't it? You know, San Francisco looked a bit tired and a bit and Even the Winterland sign, half the neon letters were missing.
2: Just very, very Scorsese, funnily enough. It's almost, Mm.
0: it's almost like a taxi driver moment, isn't it? And it's, it's certainly not Madison Square Garden or Shea Stadium or anything like that, but it works. I think because the stage is quite small and the intimacy of having a camera on that stage, you can't help but capture everything that's going on there. Am I right in thinking this is probably one of the earliest sort of concert videos where you know you are that close to the performers? Mostly, you know, we'd have seen concerts the the camera was positioned somewhere halfway down the crowd or in the wings or something.
3: Yeah, I think it's only later on, probably with more of the unplugged type concerts, that you'd have that intimate a setting.
0: And this cameras got yeah. lighter or whatever as well, that you could actually move them about a bit more. You know, steady cams and stuff like that. I suppose.
2: And I read it was something of an experiment for Scorsese because he said that the kind of shooting style that he ended up deciding on was the initial kind of precursor to how he would film the boxing scenes in Raging Bull. Even though there's a distance Mm. of four years there, it's, it's his attempt at doing something unique.
0: See, I was sort of questioning where this sits in Scorsese's sort of CV, but it's released the same year. Um, Sorry, it was recorded the same year as Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver came out, I'll just check this, I think it was February. Taxi Driver came out February, 76. But if you think about it, mate, you know, Charlie's probably more familiar with this. Apart apart from the shorts and the the film school stuff, uh, Mean Streets and Alice doesn't live here anymore. He wasn't really that well-known as a director. You know, Taxi Driver comes out in February, he records this in the November... And then in between filming this and releasing it, he only makes one movie, which is New York, New York. Yeah. We need to talk about his other concert movies as well before we go into this, because this is the start of a bloody great career for a man that knows how to do a movie about musicians.
2: It's definitely significant, but I think it's quite funny that... This wasn't some huge sort of artistic statement from Scorsese in taking the the project on. I think it was because he was a friend of Robbie Robertson and uh, their stage manager that he almost agreed that you know I'll do you a favour. They only asked, they only approached him to to film the concert. They approached two him before. Did they? right? Yeah, ah. and they said you know um, we're going to put up most of the stock for this film. We'll finance a lot of it. But obviously, if the film actually even comes to fruition and gets a release. Mm -hmm. then you can take a cut from it. So it's really more of a favour to friends than, you know, I'm going to make this great artistic statement about one of the great bands, even though they are legendary.
0: Yeah, and I think also it's a a sort of a document of your final concert as well, you know, how many bands get a chance to do that, you know, that last final hurrah, you know, let's get this filmed on 70mm or 35mm, whatever it is.
2: The the document to the end of an era as well, because... Mm -hmm. You look at who's involved, Muddy Waters, Dr. John, Van Morrison, <laughs> Ringo Starr, Eric Clapton, uh, Neil Diamond, Neil Young. Most of those artists, by the time this is released in 1978, have made their best work, in my opinion. Pretty much. Mm. Pretty. And the only ones that do end up producing other classic albums tend to have a resurgence quite a long time after. Clapton. I think it's like, yeah, exactly. Dylan in the 90s. Yeah. A few of the, uh, I mean, I remember sort of Neil Young having, I don't really remember it, but he had the resurgence in the early 90s because he was seen as like the godfather of grunge.
0: That's what I really got into him. That's what I really gen- got into But generally,
2: generally name, speaking, yeah. it's only Scorsese who produces his best work after this film's released. <laughs>
0: it's true. Paul, for Charlie, it's a bit of a dream lineup of artists. Um, possibly not so much in your case. I'm thinking here. Did this cover your musical taste? Let's—I can't judge what you're thinking about this movie <laughs> at all. It's, it's total Buster Keaton stone face looking at me shall, here.
3: Shall I put you out
2: of your misery,
0: Charlie? Do you want to make a quick prediction? I think he quite enjoyed it, but may not go back to it for a while.
2: Yeah, I think I think there were elements certain bits he liked yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I have
3: to disappoint you. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I really loved it.
2: Ooh. Oh brilliant.
3: <laughs> I I tried watching it a few days ago, got about ten minutes in and I was thinking, What is this? <laughs> and then this afternoon, nothing else on, put it put it on, turned it up loud, as it says at the start. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean I've been strangely enough, I've been listening at work like to like various music, but a lot of it, it playing on Spotify seems to go back to things like uh, the Eagles and 10 CC and and stuff that followed on from this sort of it, mm. it's similar in musical style quite a lot and I do like blues I loved Muddy Waters um, love Clapton yeah. I absolutely adore him mm. so yeah it's it, it once I got into it um, I was absolutely fine liked the uh, interviews being, like, interjected sort mm-hmm. of here, there and everywhere and not just after each song. Sometimes it would do it in the middle of a song and then come back to it. Yeah. It wasn't so formatted um, that it would be at 30 seconds a minute after each song. So it I, I liked that. I, yeah, the amount of cameos there, and apparently they didn't even show all of them, did they? Because there was a lot more people. Yes. that I, I had a look at the... Um, the set list, um, just on Wikipedia before, and they, yeah, they were on stage from like 9 a.m. till gone 2 a.m. So the amount of songs they done was ridiculous.
2: That would probably explain uh, Neil Young's appearance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
3: I've actually written down um, about. I mean, harmonica playing is absolutely superb at. Um, and then next to it, I've just written "on something?" Question <laughs> mark.
0: Right. So, have you spotted? Call it the elephant in the room. Did you spot it?
3: No, I got the copy from two thousand and two,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and it has been smudged out.
2: Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? But it doesn't. I love the fact that they smudged it up, but they didn't feel the need to get rid of him, like with his jaw swinging from side to side and just staring intently at Joni Mitchell. That's it. When
3: when they're doing the sort of all of them on stage late on, and he's standing next to (laughs) Joni Mitchell, and I'm not sure if he's groping her, leaning on her, or whatever, but yeah, his jaw's going down and to the left, and his face (laughs) is going the opposite way.
2: It's all right, we're all Canadians here, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's brilliant. I mean, that's to me, that was something that even though I'd been waiting years to see this film, I was fully aware of that mm. kind of, that legendary kind of story, and it is brilliant, because it's not really, the music that he performs is not really conducive to being off your tits on coke either, is it? No, I I was
3: really surprised, because I don't know a lot of Neil Young, but... Yeah, any that you do hear, he's got that sort of sweet, quite falsetto-type voice, and it's just yeah, (laughs) yeah. Even when he spoke, he didn't speak like how he sings. It's a lot deeper.
2: Very strange,
3: isn't it? Yeah, And, and yeah, it's just as you said, Charlie. I would not expect someone who produces music like
2: that to be like off his tits on coke (laughs) I mean he does have he has the music to kind of back that up when he when he performs with like Crazy Horse yeah and that but this is I mean Helpless is actually I think a Crosby Steele's Nassin Young song it's on Deja Vu Mm -hmm. but yeah he's I mean he's my favourite artist of all time Neil Young and um, one of the things I love about him is that he has so many strings to his bow and a bit like, uh, like an artist who sort of reinvents themselves like David Bowie where They have Mm. certain eras and certain genres that they delve into at certain points in their careers. So I can imagine why he's seen as quite an enigma to people.
0: Because he was, before Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, he was Buffalo Springfield, wasn't he?
2: That's right, yeah, with with Stills. With Stephen Stills,
0: yeah.
3: Mm. Stephen Stills did appear on the lineup.
0: He was playing guitar Um, at the end, wasn't he, I think?
3: Yeah, well, I I think he didn't. Some reason he didn't want to be filmed, or uh, I think he's only in one of the jams because apparently there was two jam sessions they had done on stage, which neither of them were in the film.
0: They're on the um, the double CD. There's there's like fifty tracks on the double CD. I was reading, um, but if you look at the track list for the movie itself, there's only about twenty five, including the poetry readings. Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. Michael McClure, what? who reads that first one out, I thought, what on earth is this? I had to look it up. Is that Chaucer? It is the introduction to the Canterbury Tales in Chaucerian dialect. Very lovely conversion. Exactly. Can you imagine if they have handed that to Neil Young and said, Neil, just go up and read this, will you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> it's an incredible it was, line-up, as you said. Who was
3: the other poet that read
2: the sort of
0: Lord's Prayer, but uh, Len- it. Leonard? Oh. Um. Uh, Lawrence, uh, Ferlinghetti. <laughs> Lawrence
2: Ferlinghetti. Lawrence Ferlinghetti. It's an in- absolute load of
0: bullets. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, and it's entitled The Loud Prayer, that's what it was called. The
2: sure, Loud. sure, if anything. Uh,
0: of, of all the things and- to keep in, the, you know, the, this amazing yeah, document, uh, they've really? kept those two bits in and and cut out a bit of Stephen Steele's, for fuck's sake. You know, <laughs>
2: I'm guessing Stephen Steele's had made all all out with Neil Young by that point. Probably he nicked his coke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'll tell you what you would have recognised, and this is why I thought this might have grabbed Paul's attention. When Ronnie Hawkins comes on, Paul is the first guest. Mm. Okay, it, it starts, doesn't it, with the encore? You know, it starts yeah. at the end. And then they go into Cripple Creek and The Shape I'm In. Ronnie Hawkins comes out, who was, you know, their original, you know, he was, the band was the, his original backing band. They sing Who Do You Love. Yeah. Which is a Doors song. Is it? Oh, you didn't recognise it. I thought that was, would have been the bit that would have got you.
3: I did recognise the song, but I thought I just recognised it because I heard the band do it.
0: Yeah. I'm, <laughs> oh. I'm assuming it's a Ronnie Hawkins original, but the Doors covered it.
3: Right, okay. Mm. I might have to go back and watch
0: that again. Yeah. Oh, oh. well, he still liked it despite that fact then, Charlie, because I know Paul's a big, massive
2: Doors fan. Um. Obviously is, not that it's, big. It's, but, it's <laughs> quite a, but it's quite a stripped down, I mean, out of performances, in, mm. certainly in the film, it seems one of the most knockabout and kind of playful ones, so I can imagine it being very different to the, door, the no, it's Doors. It's a completely
0: different version, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what you've got, with the Ronnie Hawkins version is is, a, is a, so familiar with what they're playing that, like you said, it's, it's very laid back. It's like a bit like the Beatles where they hone their craft in Hamburg. Everything was so familiar, you know. So Ronnie Hawkins coming back is like, yeah, we'll just play this. We played ten years ago, sixteen years ago, whatever it was. Um, but the Doors version, Paul, you will know it as soon as you hear it. You will know it. It's it's, it's the opening track of one of the Doors albums. And I can't remember what it is. Who so. do you love?
2: Morrison Hotel.
0: No, it's one of the early ones.
2: Uh, People are... Is it Strange? Might be on The Doors. What the Debut? It? Yeah. That, no, nah, that's on The debut. It's Break On Through. Break On but, Through um, is the opening. Yeah, yeah. You'll know it, Paul,
0: as soon as you hear it. Standout for me... There's, there's lots of standouts in this, but the staple singers... There's this whole thing. It's not just a concert document here, is it? We've got these very unique studio pieces interspersed as well where you get the staple singers singing the weight with the band
2: (laughs) yeah
3: take a load of fanny
2: (laughs) (laughs) maybe that would amuse you
3: (laughs) (laughs) i actually i know the song Mm. um and i always thought it was take a load off annie um, but I, I looked it up, because I didn't know it was called The Weight, mm. and it, yeah, it is actually take a load off of Fanny, or off, yeah, load off Fanny, isn't it?
0: <laughs> is it? Because I thought it was Annie, but... No, it is Fanny, yeah. It is Fanny, yeah, I was
2: surprised. Over that. there, that's an entirely different statement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fanny over there is a bum, isn't it? Mm. So I guess it's like, almost... Yeah, take a load of... off your ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: Or is it talking about a person called Fanny?
2: I mean, you get references to, you get quite a few biblical references in the song. Yes. and yeah. Anna, or someone like Anna, I think. Yeah, and
0: Chester and all those guys. Ch-
2: yeah, all the lads. So, <laughs> the old team. But, but That's the song, originally I sort of knew it as the song from Easy Rider. Of course, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah but it's, it's a great version of it because you get like you know Mavis Staples and and the sisters and and, and what's his what's the, the um
2: didn't I just should call him Pop Proper Staples or Pop Staples he had
0: he had a nickname didn't he and I can't think what it was I want to say but it's not Rocky Rocky Staples that sounds brilliant <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to look it up he's he's oh but it's great to see it's again it's, it's you get the impression that this was an event movie because it was like Robbie Robertson and the boys wanted to document the final, you know, last hurrah as I've been calling it. But also it's like, should we just do the definitive version of the wait and get the staple singers in to do it with us with no audience and anything like that. And it's a great thing that you don't see in many other documentaries or certainly in any other concert videos. Do you?
2: It's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That's certainly one of the highlights for me. Um, I loved that performance, but I think with, ironically, I think my favourite one was probably Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Um, which, and I say, I it because it seems to be the one that the band have the least kind of input into. I mean, she totally steals the show there in yeah. my opinion. Coyote is a great track anyway. Mm, so yeah,
3: she's got such a quirky way of singing where sh- one, it looks like it's effortless. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: But she, she's got it, it's the way she gets the words out. It's it's not, it's not flowing, but that's um, not a criticism. It just works for her. There's I don't think there's another female singer that sings like she does.
2: Yeah, she. I mean, she's supremely talented in anyway. But I know yeah. exactly what you mean. And this was the era, sort of mid seventies to late seventies. she was like experimenting with jazz as well. So I think ah, that, no, would it, approach, that would explain yeah.
3: it, because jazz is a lot
2: less uh, formative, Syncop- isn't it? Like it's, syncopated yeah. and that, and she yeah. was working with people like Jaco Pastorius at the time, like Weather Report and that, so... Oh, right. She was finding very kind of unusual, I say unusual, or, or unique ways for a folk singer to perform, I guess. And yeah, it wasn't just chorus, brilliant.
3: verse, chorus, verse sort of singing. Mm. that there, there was... Very little formation to the lyrics, and they weren't. I mean, where you thought going to rhyme, they didn't have the same sort of beat to them, almost either. Very poetic.
2: Yeah,
0: that's what it came across as. It was just a poem sung to music, almost.
2: Very, uh, very interestingly placed in the film because just before that, you've had the interview in which they're talking about basically touring just to get your leg over <laughs> and, oh yeah and I
3: yeah. like that line wasn't it it was like you're not going to make much money but you get more pussy than Sinatra
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's, uh, Scorsese must have known what he was doing there by placing it after that because you know I think it's Levon, the, the drummer who, who kind of interjects saying we're not I didn't think we were really supposed to go into the sordid details of yeah. that Yeah. and then Johnny Mitchell comes on stage and sings That's a song about what, like a predatory male. Yeah. <laughs> we, I've always said, like we had the, we had the me too movement and the scandal in, in Hollywood. And I've always said, I mean, it, it will come, will just be no comparison when this hits the music industry. That'll blow it up. Oh. The water. <laughs> wow. I'm God. thinking of this kind of period specifically. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: That's it. All, yeah. Imagine the stones and people like that. And what went on backstage with, Various females.
2: Bill Wyman in particular. <laughs> oh my God.
3: <laughs> Before bedtime.
0: Yeah. Another female singer that we had as well was Emmy Lou Harris, was there as well, wasn't she?
2: Another one of the segments uh, was sort of filmed on a soundstage. Yeah. It?
3: Yeah, that was quite different as well, I thought. The, the fact that they did mix it with the live performances. Because mm-hmm. um, it the first one of those they'd done i'm like that's not on the stage that's mm. not got the crowd or whatever so yeah it, it was unusual but it worked very well
0: that's the thing I think, i'm sorry charles just gonna say, i'm bad thinking bad. it's just a you know way of documenting certain songs and certain performances before they finally split up but yeah sorry mate well...
2: no i think it was because this didn't come out until two years after the concert was recorded i felt they must have kind of added some of that material in. I'm not sure how Did long you reckon after Do it was recorded
0: but, uh, later then, some of this? Yeah, they, yeah.
2: Uh, I read in a, in one of Scorsese's books that they were given an extra bit of budget, extra 10 days to do the soundstage uh, stuff, just yeah, right. to pad it out, really. And because uh, Scorsese was saying, when you're trying to film a live concert, particularly back then, it's so loud that you're never really sure how, the, how it's going to turn out yeah. until you get get into the editing room so what they did to kind of um, as an insurance they did like later stuff on sound stages just so that if the film was a bit of a wreck they could salvage it and enhance it with more polished like sequence recordings which makes a lot of sense I suppose yeah Yeah,
3: leading on from that I was reading um, it was on 35 mil filmed Mm -hmm. Um, but that's why some of the songs aren't on there because they had to schedule real changes for the cameras right which again it's a timely sort of process and you don't want to do it halfway through and then record a little bit of that and the muddy waters one uh Manish boy Mm. if you notice that's only one camera the whole way through and that's because everyone else was doing a timed or scheduled change of reels um but one guy thought i'm not missing this one of the camera people uh, and just stayed with it and and afterwards scorsese saw it and said no we're we're leaving that in
0: makes you wonder why they didn't stagger the changes of film reels. yeah i think
3: they had seven cameras so why did they change them all at the same time Well, I suppose they were just going for when the lesser known people were on and perhaps lesser known stars.
0: There are no lesser known stars in this, are there? Apart from the bloke (laughs) reading out the poetry.
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think could have quite easily done (laughs) one but it It probably comes down to what we were saying earlier though about the fact that if this actually turns out to be a released film that's something of an afterthought like the Mm. the concert took precedent here like it was the actual gig that was the main thing and it was like well if we get a film out of this that's a bonus
0: yeah
2: yeah and And, and were they expecting the concert to go on for five hours (laughs) not until Neil Young turned up (laughs)
3: some of these guitar solos and that they probably went on a lot longer than they thought they were going to do because there was a lot of jamming in there especially um i noticed on the bob dylan one as they were coming to the end of one song you could see him talking to robbie robertson sort of almost like how are we going to end this and get into the next song Mm. Uh, and they just sort of quieted it down slowed it down and then came straight in
0: you think about it when you've got someone like Eric Clapton or Bob Dylan or Van Morrison you're not going to say right we're going to limit you to one song guys you know
2: Yeah, Bob Dylan only let them film for two tracks mm. yeah Um and he was concerned that he had a film out around a similar time was it Ronaldo and oh blind Ronaldo. I want to say, I say... <laughs> <laughs> yeah Messi <laughs> I wanna say Cleopatra, Ronaldo and Cleopatra, something along those lines.
0: That rings a bell. I can't yeah, I can't think what it is, that rings a bell.
2: And Bob Dylan's always been notoriously difficult when it comes to things like this anyway. And he refused to let the crew know when the switch up was gonna be in the songs. He said you can have these two performances but that's it, because he was too concerned that his film would get upstaged and as if that wasn't enough, you know, they put Van Morrison Mm -hmm. to the mix who's also a bit of a cunt in that regard. There we go. There we go, Morris. He said it. And <laughs> it right, I've got a Bob Dylan T-shirt on. I don't mean it in a disrespectful manner. I'm just saying that these people are kind of very, very known for being... Pretentious? Div- divas, really. <laughs> yeah. I did
3: notice Van Morrison walk off, didn't he? Before oh, the end God. of his song.
0: I've never never really got Van Morrison at all. I mean, This is the most animated I've ever seen Van Morrison on stage. Because, like in later life, when you watch him, he's got this whole attitude of "I can't be asked," mm. um, and he just turned up. I don't know. I, I'm not too sure what people in Dublin in 1976 looked like on a Saturday night when they went out clubbing, but I've got a very good suspicion. Probably. Well, probably, but I've got a very <laughs> <laughs> I've, yeah. got, I've got a very good suspicion that they all look like Van Morrison, you know, overweight, wearing these, like, spanglish dressed as Ric Flair. Basically. <laughs>
2: But that's the... I do like Van Morrison's music, but it's the individual that I just yeah. can't stand. And it's it's important to differentiate between those two things. Sometimes
0: is, is there any link between the band and Van Morrison? Because he was in them, wasn't he? I think it was his band in the sixties before you know Astral Weeks and all those solo stuff that he did. Good album. It's a great album. That's what I mean. The music is great, like you said, but it's just him. Um, I, I can see the links between. Um, you know, sort of the Muddy Waters, Eric Clapton blues stuff. Yeah. Definitely see the links, obviously, with Bob Dylan
2: and, and, and Hawkey Eyes. Um, they were on a couple of Neil Young albums as well. They were on on the beach quite auspiciously, if you yeah. know what I mean. Like they, they appeared a lot on it, and that's probably one of my favourite Neil Young albums, if not my favourite, okay. plus the Canadian connection.
0: But of course. So what's the Van Morrison? Yeah, I'm just... Somebody sort of who knows better it, than us will tell us, you know. But Morris... Yes, yeah, he, he will he will tell us in his next email. <laughs> How much did you like this, Paul? Because I it's it's bizarre, Charlie, because when Paul and I play Pop Master, or you know we listen to Popmaster, but after we finish recording and we sort of compete against each other, Paul's um gray area is it is. <laughs> Don't talk about my gray
2: area. <laughs> We're off 50 now. Um <laughs>
0: Paul's grey area, down on Cripple Creek, is um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the seventies, isn't it? That's the that's the era that your yeah your knowledge sort of wavers a bit, but yeah. you you liked this, yeah.
3: I, I mean, I say Clapton, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, mm. and I've been getting more and more into people like Credence oh. um, and that kind of late sixties to mid 70s rock and protest mm. songs and things like that so yeah i i've thoroughly enjoyed it and i'd say i'd only probably heard two of the songs before so mm. to to hear or to watch a film like that and most of the music be totally new to me yeah. I, I i surprised myself by liking it as much as i did
2: because it is worth saying that even though this is a star-studded cast, you're right. This isn't like a, a string of kind of household name singles, is it, really?
3: No, Definitely no not. this isn't no. like Queen's Greatest Hits or like... Thankfully.
0: Talking of star-studded, you know, like towards the end, we're like, you know, it's a thing with these ensemble pieces where everybody comes on stage to me it's just like okay are we going to get anything worthwhile from this because you're all competing around like three microphones you've got three drummers there Ringo turns up and he don't know what he's bloody doing you know he jumps in and plays, <laughs> well, and plays
3: isn't
2: that just natural <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah not even the best drummer at the gig exactly <laughs> the phrase, John Lennon. You know, there must have been
0: you know seven guitarists at one point on that stage you've got you know Seventeen singers. You've got Van Morrison hogging the fucking mic, trying to. He's because he's a cunt. (laughs) (laughs) But it worked. That you know those last couple of tracks when everybody's on stage. Sometimes it can be a complete sort of hot mess, can't it, guys? You know when when you get these sort of like tribute concerts where everybody's on stage doing this one final jam sort of thing.
3: I was expecting them to sing Hey Jude or something.
0: It's it's that sort of thing. (laughs) You know how bad those things have gone in the past. That's what I'm trying to... But it didn't in this particular case, did it? You know, those final ensemble pieces sounded... I'm not going to say they sounded polished. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm, I'm going to suggest a few microphones may have been switched off.
3: Um, yeah, there was... I did read something on that, that actually they switched off Robbie Robertson's quite a bit. Oh. And then overlaid it later.
0: Did not know that when, when I just mentioned that. I did not know that, but I saying on that, I mean,
3: the band themselves all of them could sing. It was quite impressive how they of uh, the different songs they sung that like all of them had a go. The drummer. Oh especially was that's, really that's good. one
2: of their main assets as a group the fact that they're not all just chipping in on the vocals but all really proficient at it individually and yeah. work and it works brilliantly in harmony as well doesn't it
3: mm, yeah and multi-talented musicians as well yeah. i mean fantastic right yeah. at the end when they do the last walks and play a bit of green sleeves or whatever mm. um <laughs> and, and you've got is it um the drummer is on a mandolin i think
0: oh you uh, 11 yeah yeah, yeah. See, so i love yeah, it when a dr- i love it when a drummer sings because yeah. how difficult must that be whilst you're still trying to keep like everybody in tune in time
2: yeah i mean there are certain bands that have excelled at it but not many of them i mean mm. the eagles come to mind straight exactly. away with don henley yeah. but yeah it's <laughs> not the easiest no yeah i guess so i mean keith moon never really gave it much of a shot but more on that <laughs> next time
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes yes we will be talking about mr moon um Yeah, there are exceptions, you know, Phil Collins, I suppose, but I I just love seeing because it's very rare to see a drummer take lead vocals.
3: Roger uh, tried it a couple of times. I I do, that's
0: what I mean. failed miserably, (laughs) bless him. Um, Oh, well, I uh, like the other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to get into the Queen conversation. This is why, yeah, we're not talking. You know, Paul and I like Queen, so we're not talking about Queen today. Fair enough.
2: But yeah, well, I think that it is just another. uh, It's just another kind of demonstration of why they are so brilliant, the fact that they can do things like that effortlessly, I think. And the the keyboard player, I can't think of his name. Uh, Richard Manuel? Yeah. Wow.
3: super talented was that guy?
2: Even though he looked like a werewolf? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: But when there was a little clip of him, they played a little bit near the end of what sounded like it was going to go into prog rock. Sounded a bit Pink oh, yeah. floyd
0: Rick Wakeman.
2: Yeah, yeah and, and he was sitting that's down... That's Garth play- Hudson, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, he was playing a keyboard about two foot up in the air from him and uh, <laughs> it just
2: sounded fantastic. They mentioned about how he became their music teacher. Yeah, yeah.
3: that's right, paying him yeah, $10 it it, a week.
2: It was the only way that his kind of musical education and the people around him wouldn't see what he was doing as a complete waste of time.
0: There you go. Sometimes keyboards make or break a band. I mean, look at Ray Manzarek in the Doors. You know that that was their yeah. their you know yeah. the key instrument for the Doors. And that was a
3: very small keyboard. Very small. <laughs> it's keyboard. only about three octaves, isn't <laughs> it?
0: And it's it's just a unique sound as well. It's just when when you look at it, you know that that lineup and the setup of the band. You know, there's there's a couple of keyboard players, a couple of guitarists, the drum. It, all taking turns at singing lead as well, pretty much most of
2: them. Brilliantly, as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's an eye opener because it's it's a it's a group that isn't that. I'm not going to say that well known, but not that
2: commercially. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, revered.
3: yeah. Especially yeah. in the UK, I'd say. I Definitely. mean, I'd yeah. I'd heard of them. I didn't know much about them, but yeah, you look at as you say, commercially chart success nothing really single wise way- a lot of album sales mm.
2: but this is why you watch this and you, it's a great example of how they are the musicians musicians yeah. you know mm. look at the sheer respect they must command to get that line up there yeah. so everyone in the industry kind of loves them and the critics sort of really appreciate them but yeah it's not going to necessarily be something that you hear ken bruce asking questions about
0: oh. <laughs>
2: oh, <hello>. yes <laughs> one year out in that condescending
0: manner when you get it wrong Um, did you guys know when I just did a wee bit of research for this 2019 Scorsese did another documentary Robbie Robertson and the band
2: I didn't I know he made another Bob Dylan one around the same sort of time the Bob Dylan one was Rolling Thunder Review was it Rolling yeah. Thunder Review? which was about uh, Desire, the, the tour of Desire, which featured the band.
0: Exactly, the 70s, wasn't it? Rather than, um, what was the one he did before? Um, no Direction well, I'm not, Home.
2: No, no Direction Home, yeah. sorry, not I'm not there. That was the... Uh,
0: that's the one people play him, isn't that's it? That's right, yeah. yeah um, Tilda Swinton, all those... Yeah, oh, No, not Tilda Swinton. Um,
2: Swintz, I think it was Tilda Swinton. No, the oh, no, she was Kate Bowie. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett.
0: Yeah. Um, it's called... Those skinny bitches. <laughs> Called once we were brothers, um, and it's about Robbie Robertson and the band. And I don't know anything about it, and it was made about two years ago. So have we out, have got to seek that out and have a little look, um, guys. As a as a film, as a documentary, as you know, something that we review on on Stinking Paws, you know, as a piece of art. I'm going to start with Paul on this. Yes, it's a great concert. Yes, the music is great, but. How about this as a documentary, mate? Um,
3: see, it wasn't overloaded with the documentary yep. bit, uh, which made it more enjoyable. I think it it was just about the right mix of of music with interviews. I have to say that the the bit that got me was just was the filming of it. the The fact of it was mainly close-ups on people's faces or their hands whilst playing the guitar. And it, it wasn't wasted. You didn't feel like you were watching a concert. You're watching the musicianship. Um, And most of the camera sort of angles and everything was, was just set up so perfectly. I think there was one shot early on that panned round the back of the stage as a rolling Mm. shot but other than that they're all sort of static cameras they're all pointed at whoever was singing or doing a guitar solo um you got Clapton and Robbie Robertson now Clapton I did notice and I've read this afterwards he broke his uh guitar strap just after he came on, just as he was about to start a guitar solo, Robbie Robertson picked up his solo and it looked and sounded seamless. Yeah. Um, but the only thing I'd say is when you look at Robbie Robertson playing the guitar, brilliant guitarist, you look at him and he's trying and he's putting the effort in and then Clapton does the same and he looks <laughs> like he's half asleep. It's just so effortless for Slow him.
0: hand, that's it. Yeah. Hand. yeah. Definitely. Definitely.
2: I always got the sense that Robbie Robertson was determined. I mean, he was really, but he's the one who's determined to be the star.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, to so the point where he's the only other person in the venue who's rem- remotely dressed like Neil Diamond, who clearly didn't get <laughs> the Can
0: memo. I, oh, exactly the word I was going to use there. Did Neil Diamond get the memo for this concert? <laughs> he's just turned up he's been I don't know was he invited to some embassy ball or something and then he's just like oh no <coughs> it's, it's, it's the band it's their farewell gig
2: he, but, he sticks out like a sore thumb in there. doesn't he but yeah. it looks no, so the cool. worst, worst thing is when he went off stage he started giving it to Bob Dylan saying like go and better that can you imagine it Come and on. then Bob Dylan just went what are you going to do fall asleep
0: <laughs> and then what, what did um, Neil Diamond say when on the boats and on the planes <laughs> to, to America? America. <laughs> Every time I see Neil Diamond, you get this, Paul. I'm sorry. Where did that come from? Chin and Panther, wasn't it?
2: It was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, talking I about think... <laughs> purely because there's a microphone present. One of them can't help themselves and just starts performing it like they're in the jazz singer.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, he goes, on the boats and on the please
2: they're coming to America. <laughs> but he,
0: he did. He just walked out as if it was like, like you said, Ric Flair. No, 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 because that was Van Morrison was Ric Flair. <laughs> but what, so what would Neil Diamond have been? Oh, my God.
2: He looked like an extra from uh, The Nice Guys. <laughs> yeah, he,
3: he looked... About as home as Barry Manilow would have done, didn't they? <laughs> same era, mate. Yep, yeah, same era.
2: Don't put him in that bracket, do you? I know that Neil Diamond started out as... Because Robbie Robertson kind of mentions the Tim Pan Alley doesn't yeah. he? Mm. And he, he, was a, he had a lot more respect within the industry early on. Oh, God, And then he just wrote, became this... But mm, then he became this commercial behemoth, didn't he, afterwards? Mm, well, and he's already on the way there, I think, when this is happening.
0: It's it must be. This is recorded seventy six. When was the jazz singer?
2: Eighties, early eighties I was, was going to say not twenties, yeah. The original. <laughs> also correct.
0: <laughs> but yeah, as you said, Charlie, Tim Pan Alley, You know, he wrote half of the you know the number one singles that the monkeys had, and and Carole King, and all those guys were all about them with Neil Sedaka, all right. you know, it's, it's amazing the stuff that he wrote. Uh, he wrote "Red he had Red a Wine." a dream
2: that you've come yeah.
0: to share. We're coming to America, America. He today. Wrote, <laughs> he wrote um, "Red Red Wine," didn't he, Neil Diamond? Yeah. Yes. So, Charlie, I'll ask you the same question as a documentary. I mean, and as a film, a Stinking Paul's movie. It was a first-time watch for you, but you've then watched it since in the you know the last couple of weeks. I know you loved it. I knew you were going to love it. Does it does it work? Is it is it a pinnacle? Is it one of the high points of the, you know, the concert documentary or the documentary as a whole?
2: It kind of does. I mean, I'd seen aspects. I'd seen, like, the new performance before, so mm. it wasn't entirely new, but it, it was really because watching it as a, a full experience was like a totally different thing. But I think as a documentary, it's not very informative. Mm. I think if you're watching it to try and find something out about the band, you'll come away knowing very little. I think what it is a document of is what an illustrious kind of reputation they have and what a great career they've had as a touring act. So it's often when you watch a documentary, you know, you put it on to find something out. I don't think that's really the case here. I think this is more of a kind of celebration. It doesn't of set
0: out to be that, does it? And no. from what you were saying there as well, the, the proof that they are so well respected is you just take a look at that lineup of the people mm. that just turned up for this, for the biggest night in American history in, in you know, 200 years. Yeah. <laughs> you go, well, how are, how are you spending the bicentennial, you know, the celebration of our independence? No, I've got a gig down in San Francisco, mate. I'm doing this. And
2: they've and all yeah. given up their Thanksgiving yep, as well. Pretty much.
0: Well, they got a turkey dinner beforehand,
2: apparently. Well, so. Van Morrison didn't
0: care, did he? T- <laughs> Van Morrison looked like he'd at three. <laughs> are we happy with that, guys? Do you want to leave it there? Do you want to rate it?
2: Five stars,
0: for me. both said five exactly the same time. That's a five star from me as well. Fantastic all round success, guys, for the last waltz. Now, I'm going to take a quick break because I'm busting for a pee and I've drunk a bottle of wine while I've been talking to you, so I need to get a top up. I was thinking in the last couple of episodes, we've done a few different quizzes. Okay, we started off Charlie, I think we, we reintroduced six degrees of separation for your, yep. you know, your return a buzz around and this Disney eight word quiz or something we had last time guys for Sabrina
2: which Paul was triumphant it, right, it red. just
0: well as we have been discussing you know a music documentary and you know some of the finest acts in American and British or whatever or Canadian history you know they've got some great music there oh is it
3: on Justin Bieber
0: nope we're going to play we're going to play <laughs> Pop Master. oh I've got the layout exactly as Popmaster for it, But there's no music clips It's all just vocal Okay, I need a wee, back in a minute Right. enjoy Anyway, chaps as I hinted to you before the break we are going to play pop master <laughs> nice uh, I think you're slightly intrigued is it, is it going to be as good as the, the legendary Ken Bruce's pop master possibly Better. not possibly not depends um, if you're
3: condescending
0: exactly I, I I may do the Scottish accent but every time I do one I'm Sean Connery or Billy Connolly. so I, I can't do a Ken Bruce but I will give you answers or reactions in in the same manner that Mr. Bruce probably would do. Okay guys, we need to decide who's going first or second, so as we've just discovered, all three of us do not have a coin between us, I've just rolled up a piece of paper, I'm putting it in either my left or my right hand, I'm holding it up to the camera, whoever chooses the hand has got the piece of paper in it will be going first so I've got to decide who's going to ask so it really doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Toss a coin Yeah <laughs> Who wants to choose left or right?
3: Charlie you can choose Go oh, right please
0: Charlie's choosing my right hand which is your left on the screen It's empty <laughs> Paul there's the piece of paper You have got the first choice for the bonus questions and oh. your choice is for bonus questions Canada Africa or Scandinavia Wow, I made them very vague because I also wrote these about 10 minutes before we went on air.
2: If only um, you watched a film featuring several yeah. Canadian artists recently. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if
0: any Canadian artists are mentioned within said round. Mm. <laughs> it, would, it would be a glass <laughs> of wine.
3: <like> <laughs> I want to take Canada, not because I think it's going to be easier, but I think Charlie would know them. Um, but I've, I've got... A th- I'm going to go Africa.
0: Africa. Okay. Charlie, you will get the choice. Actually, I gave you three. I should have really given you two there, shouldn't I? But no, okay. So, Paul is going to take Africa, and Paul is going first. No pressure. So, okay. In the spirit of Ken Bruce's Master, I'm going to ask you ten questions. Three questions will be based on your bonus round, which will be double points. Three points around, Three points an answer, guys, isn't it? Yeah. I'm glad you're here, because you're reminding me exactly how to play this fucking game. Okay. Paul question 1 Which multi platinum selling artist topped the singles charts in 2011 with her song Someone Like You Adele Adele is right for 3 points
2: Nice and obscure <laughs> Would you know no, that Charlie
3: Usually the first uh, first question is very easy but <laughs> I had to think about it
2: Sometimes that throws you Yeah
3: Too easy
0: (laughs) Paul, question number two Madness achieved two top ten hits With the word house in the title One was our house What was the other? House of Fun For three points Didn't even let him finish No (laughs) I think I'll take a point away (laughs) Okay, your bonus round We're going for Africa, Paul Aren't we? Okay Your bonus question Toto Funny enough, question number one, released in 1983, Africa by Toto was undoubtedly the biggest UK hit, their biggest UK hit. But what position did it reach in the UK chart? Was it number one, number two or number three?
3: I don't think it was one. I'm going to say three.
0: Double points for this particular question? Yeah. Yeah, six points. Whoa. First charted on the 29th of January 1983 and reached a peak of number 3 Fair play Four points so far Question number four Which group reached number one in 1976 with the song December 963 brackets, Oh what a night That's four, four seasons wasn't it it's Valley. It was the four seasons for three points Question number five Which 1972 top three hit by Don McLean became a number one cover version for Madonna in 2000? American Pie. American Pie for three points. Your bonus question on Africa. Yossin Noor from Senegal. Yeah. Also reached number three, but this was in 1994, with a duet featuring Naina Cherry. Shit. What was it called?
3: Seven
0: seconds. It was seven seconds for six points. There was another duet as well, wasn't there? What a Paul Young, of... I think
3: he done one Was with... it with
0: Paul Young? I can't remember. Yeah.
2: All right, come, don't show off.
0: <laughs> Charlie, this may be the only time Paul gets full points on a bloody...
2: <laughs> <laughs> is, is it cuntish to say that I've known all of them other than the Toto ones? <laughs> on, honestly, mate,
0: no, Yours are just as as easy, I'm hoping. Don't worry, mate. Question number seven. I, oh, oh. No, is it, is it six? <laughs> no, No, no. Six was the last one. Question number seven. The English producer who made the top ten in nineteen ninety nine with his arrangement of Barber's Adagio for Strings is called William Who? Oh God,
3: Adagio for Strings. Oh, I know this. I had this on CD single.
2: No.
0: There's no points in this, Charlie. But would you have known?
2: Uh know the song, but mm. can't think of the. I guess it's a DJ, isn't it? Really, it's yeah. an English producer. Yeah, DJ. Barber. <laughs> William Samuel Barber.
0: Orbit. Oh, of course it was. Named after the chewing gum. <laughs> uh, and again, this this may prove one for Charlie rather than Paul. Paul, question number A. P. and J stand for in singer P. J. Harvey's name.
3: Post-Joplin.
0: <laughs> is a good answer. I like your thinking. think Charlie will get one, at least one of these.
2: Do you know what? I d- no. I don't know. Oh. Uh, all I remember, really, about her personal life or whatever is that she was rumping Nick Cave at one point. It's,
0: yes, exactly, yes. But that's that's no clue to actually her name. <laughs> Let England shake. <laughs> it's Polly Jean.
3: Not my lover. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, is she from Bristol I, I think she was yes I'm throwing every bit of trivia about it. apart know, from the answer the that we actually was, needed yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay Paul your final bonus question on Africa what was the name of the South African male choral group who reached number 63 in 1998 with a song called the star and the wise man thanks mainly to it being used in a Heinz baked beans TV commercial
3: yeah. Usa Mambela choir.
0: I think Paul's just had a stroke. Charlie <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is it the black mambozo bag?
0: There are no points for this, Charlie, but is the Lady Smith Black Mambazo, oh, yeah. yes. they were on
2: Graceland as well, yes, weren't they? They yeah. were indeed, yes.
0: So at the end of that round Paul. Uh,
3: question ten.
0: Oh, do beg your pardon, question 10. That
3: is a stitch-up, to be fair. We need a new host.
0: (laughs) I can edit that out. (laughs) Okay. Question number 10. Who duetted with Celine Dion on the 1992 hit movie theme from Beauty and the Beast?
3: I do not recall this song.
0: Um... Tell as old as time... (laughs) Hang on, do it as Neil Diamond. It's is all,
3: It's
0: <laughs> it all, the time. <laughs> um,
3: no, I can't even stab at that.
0: Any idea, Charlie? Is it Angela Lansbury? No, no, she was, <laughs> she was the original in the movie. as Peebo Bryson. <laughs> Off to the cover with uh... you now, Chip. <laughs> Peebo Bryson. So, at the end of that round, Paul, you have scored... 24 points. Oh, okay. Oh. That's all right. That's a respect. I, I should have asked you, you know, I should have done a real Ken Bruce. Said, How do you think you're going to do? <laughs> well, some days I get 20s, some
3: days I get 9.
0: <laughs> okay, 24 points. That's Pop Master. You're up against Charlie. We'll be playing against Charlie next. Charlie Hi Charlie Welcome to Popmaster Hi.
2: Thanks <laughs> Thanks Ken
0: <laughs> So Quite a respectable score there from Paul Charlie
2: I might as well fuck off To be honest <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have picked the easiest questions For the pair of you From this type quiz that I found uh, But the bonus questions I made up myself mate So You need to choose your bonus round You've got Canada or Scandinavia
2: Goodness Goodness Stick with Canada Canada
0: Okay Okay mate Question number one Shoot For three points What are the names Of both of the members Of the Pet Shop Boys
2: Chris and Neil
0: I'm going to take that Because it is is strictly true Neil
2: (laughs) Neil Tennant Yep And Chris Keyboard. Tennant (laughs) <laughs> I'm,
0: uh, I'm. I'm. Should I take two for that, Paul? No, no, it? take it. Okay, because unless we,
3: unless he wins at the end, then we okay, can't we on. may oh, take a point. That's off. fair. We that's may
0: fair, <laughs> we take a point off.
2: Yeah, I should. I should know both of their full names, though, even though I despise them. What was Chris's name surname? Uh, sorry, it's Chris Lowe. Chris oh, Lowe. Is. Chris Lowe. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I sort of only really remember Neil Tennant because of uh, electronic. Yes.
0: Yeah. New Order guy. Yes. I
2: bet Bernard Sumner
0: Bernard. ok question number 2 complete the title of this 1994 top 10 hit by Morrissey the more you ignore me what
2: the more I love you
0: I don't know Paul known
2: no and I thought I knew Morrissey So oh, that's, uh, mm. I was hoping for like every day is like Sunday yeah, right? sorry yeah, no,
0: no it's the closer I get
2: uh, fair enough ok ok I've washed my hands of that bloke. Don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whose reversion of the James Bond theme? Oh, sorry, we're into the bonus question. Sorry. Bonus question on Canada. Which Canadian singer's first hit in the UK was Run to You, reaching number 11 in
2: 1985?
0: Ryan Adams. Ryan Adams for six points. Question number four. Whose version of the James Bond theme was a top 10 hit in 1997? Featured on the soundtrack of Tomorrow Never Dies.
2: Reversion. So yeah,
0: sort of like a, a revisited version of the James Bond, a remix, remix of the James Bond. Oh, theme.
2: okay. Because yeah, I know it was Sheryl Crow who did the title. Song. It's not the title. Ty-
0: well, no, it's the James Bond theme. Whose reversion uh, of the James Bond theme was a top ten hit in '97, but featured on the soundtrack twice Fat Boy Slim you're close
3: Paul do you have any idea is it the ones that done history with um oh god it's it's more DJ set isn't it
0: it's, it's a very famous very very famous person
3: oh no not the one I'm thinking of no it's
2: Moby oh, okay. oh I should have gone with Moby around that era shouldn't I John every fucking advert he
0: <laughs> was indeed Charlie, question number five. During the 1990s, the group Hanson had three top t- titles on un- top the charts. What was the title?
2: It's got to be Unbox. It is indeed yeah. Name another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, one, one, two, three, 24 hours from you. That was Hanson. Okay, Paul, I now
0: declare... Paul, <laughs> Paul, I now declare you the winner. President Charlie, Charlie <laughs> knowing that fucking answer, Paul, you've won. President <laughs>, of the Hanson <laughs> fan. Wow. <laughs> oh, <hang on>. So... <laughs> no. Okay, Charlie. Your next bonus question on Canada: Which Canadian-born female singer won the 1988 Eurovision Song Contest representing
2: Switzerland? He's already been mentioned. <coughs> Celine Dion for six
0: points. Slight advantage for Charlie on question number seven because I know we saw him live a couple of years ago. What is the title of Bruce Springsteen's top ten seasonal song from 1985? Oh.
2: It was Santa Claus' bump, but I think there's something
0: in brackets as well. There was a double A side.
2: 1985, you say?
0: Yeah, but you've got the points for that, mate, but it was a double A A side. With
2: with Dancing in the Dark?
0: No, it was my hometown. Same album. Same album, yeah,
2: born in the
0: USA. Oh, Paul, I'm so sorry the way this falls now. But then again, I don't know, it's 1990. What year were you born, Charlie? 88. 88, right, so 1994. Which other American rapper was featured on Warren G's 1994
2: top five hit? Oh, come on. I I would dispute rapper because he was singing on the track, but Mm -hmm. it was Nate Dogg. Nate Dogg, the three points. Rest in peace. Regulator. Honor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You see, this means nothing to me oh Vienna
2: um, well that, that sampled Michael McDonald I keep forgetting you might recognise it oh, I know it from that. that
0: of course I do yes of course yeah. a bit of Yacht Rock for you yeah love a bit of Yacht Rock okay yacht <laughs> question number nine which is your bonus question on Canada for oh, fuck's sake you're going to get
2: this <laughs> <laughs> don't never say that you're going to get
0: this <laughs> Which Canadian singer had hits in the 1960s with Suzanne and Bird on the Wire?
2: That's perfect. Then they've covered. We spoke with... <laughs> you were been him off only a couple of episodes I ago. I hate that, man. I'm sorry. In,
3: in fairness, I would not have got that, Charlie.
0: OK, that's a six-pointer. OK, and your final question. Question number 10. Which Britain's Got Talent runner-up Made her solo chart debut with the top 10 hit Wild Horses.
2: Susan Boyle, wasn't it?
0: It was unfortunately Susan Boyle.
3: Yeah. Oh dear. I think he's got about
2: 33. Covered myself in glory with uh, Hanson and Susan Boyle though.
0: Paul, you scored 24. Charlie has got a massive 33. He just dropped a three point question at number four
2: oh he's got 36 then oh no sorry
0: no no he dropped number 2 and number 4 yeah he's got 33 yeah he dropped two questions
2: take away the uh, pet shop boys from that as well for fairness okay he's still fucking won. he's still (laughs) that's just even more condescending yeah yeah just yeah (laughs) I'll I'll lose all those boys (laughs) still but take solid I'm never going to do that well at pop masters again (laughs) Charlie do you want to play 3 and 10 why not? There's so much shout out, <laughs> don't
0: worry.
3: <laughs> everyone that knows me.
0: Paul, do you want to say hello to anybody?
3: <laughs> no, can I say fuck off to a
0: few
3: people? <laughs> I'll say fuck off to Charlie.
0: Fair. <laughs>
3: and everyone that knows me.
0: That's great. Uh, you, you take care now. You take care. <laughs> Thanks, Ken.
2: Good to have Graham Soonish on the show. <laughs> No,
0: no. Okay, Charlie, it's 3 in 10 now. <laughs> 3 in 10. Paul Simon.
2: You can call me out. You can call me R. Uh, <laughs> diamonds on their soles of her. hips. shoes. feet. feet. Boy in <laughs> a bowl. <laughs> um, 50 ways to lose
0: well, I think we got over the ten sessions. So <laughs> well, that was that was Simon Garfunkel, wasn't it? That was it. Uh, I haven't got the answers in front of me, so I'm going to assume you're right on all of those. Well done, Charlie. You have taken away a stinking pause Bluetooth speaker or something. Absolutely. I don't know what do they offer. It's, a, it's we did. It a uh, digital <laughs> radio, isn't it? digital radio. Yeah, we didn't yeah. we didn't do the the one year out, did we? The old year. Oh no. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's take a break and talk about what we're watching next time.
1: Just to call ourselves the band. To find a place where I can lay my head Mister, can you tell me where a man might find a bed He just grinned and shook my hand That was all he said To hide. When I saw old Carmen and the devil walking side by side. And I said, hey, Carmen, come on, let's go downtown. She said, I gotta go, but my friend can stick around. Take a look. Say. It's just old Luke and Luke is waiting on a journey day. Hey Luke, my friend, what about a young Annalise? He said to do me a favor, son. Won't you stay and keep Annalise company? Yeah. Take a look, my Take a look, for free. Oh, oh, take a look. your rack right. you take old jack my dog i said wait a minute chester you know i'm a peaceful man he said that's okay boy won't you feed him when you can't Preview time.
3: When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way.
0: OK, guys, what we're watching next time has already been decided because I think we announced this a couple of episodes ago. Would did be announced this? The end of Sabrina? Yeah, we did. What we decided was it was going to be um, Charlie to choose what we're going to be watching next time. So, you know, you're not going give, to be given so much of a free reign in future, my friend. You know, we're just giving you a bit of leeway here because you're back.
2: Uh, that's understandable, isn't it? Uh- there was a sense that I had to get this film out of the way. <laughs> it was on the
0: cards, wasn't it, from day one? Yeah. Um. So I
2: apologise for that. Well, I apologise for many reasons, actually, in advance. But um, mm. I, I thought it'd be good to... It's no secret, I've said it before, that I'm not a huge fan, even though The Who are one of my favourite groups. But I thought it was a higher time that I sort of spoke about a film that I wasn't particularly fond of. Really? Well, I mean, we've we've always been guilty of... Picking classics and films that I sort of wanted to watch again, and this might give it a different aspect. But we still don't know what Paul's going to make of it. I was going to say,
0: I thought you were a bit of a fan of this.
2: (laughs) I can watch it, but I've got a lot, lot of problems with it.
0: (laughs) Okay, right now, Paul, have you seen this yet? Not seen it. So this is not going to be really encouraging to Paul as he goes forward in the next couple of days.
3: Um, Ch- Charlie's getting us to watch a film that he doesn't particularly like. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, okay. For people, that we'll figured, yeah, yeah. for people that haven't figured it out yet, we're going to be reviewing Tommy by The Who from 1975. Or five? Yeah. 75, I think it is. Um, from my point of view, I prefer this to Quadrophenia.
2: Right, that's mental. That's a bold we'll statement. On, yes. All we'll of that at the weekend.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but for a different reason I love Quadrophenia I've got nothing against Quadrophenia um, Entirely different films Yeah right. and that's probably the reason why Paul I think you may have said you m- might have had a little sneaky preview of it
3: I ran through it just to make sure that um, it was a good copy um, <laughs> and yeah it looks
0: interesting, interesting.
3: <laughs> very colourful I noticed from just uh, Mm-hmm. Skimming through it,
2: yeah. I think one of the, the the things we might all be able to agree on without going into detail and spoiling it is that what I think of the film as an entertaining experience is different to what I think of the film technically.
0: Mm. Okay, th- th- there's so. certainly going to be some conversation points throughout, you know, <coughs> Saturday evening when we get together because we are actually going to be together Saturday evening. <laughs> yes, yes, the, the alcohol will be flowing like alcohol
2: (laughs) (laughs) other analogies are available baked beans maybe
0: Uh, see we mentioned baked beans last time paul doesn't actually know what we're on about or or was it washing up liquid Uh, washing powder isn't it combination yeah and and chocolate i Uh, hope so what are you on about
2: you will you will (laughs) all be revealed mate okay
0: it's possibly the finest rock opera, I op, can't even say it, the finest rock opera to be put to celluloid. Can you think of any others?
2: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I can literally think, well, it's better by buy the same band in the same decade. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we go. will
0: argue about that later, yeah. <laughs> Paul, you've seen Quadrophenium? I have, yes, many times. It's, 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 it's totally different from Quadrophilia
2: great um, but also <laughs> two very different albums as well it
0: yeah. is and as well I think we sort of hinted to this as well to you before mate you've got Jack Nicholson Tina Turner Oliver Reed and Robert Powell. Robert Powell is <laughs> it? not
3: playing Jesus is it
0: <laughs> there, there, there is a Jesus reference with Robert Powell in it as well at some point um, you'll recognise a few of the songs. Um, you'll be disturbed by a few of the images and the things. Paul Nicholas, got. Paul Nicholas and Keith Moon huh. yes.
3: Paul Nicholas, as in just good friends. Paul that Nick- very
0: one. You yes. wait. Jesus. You wait till you see Paul Nicholas in this. That's all we're
2: gonna say. And uh, and the lads from the Hoe as well. Yeah. So yeah.
0: and Eric Clapton, and Elton John, and Elton John. <laughs> It's Tommy. We're going to be rooting Tommy. We're going to be we together. Was it on Saturday? A couple of days time. Yep. Yeah. Shall I line up another quiz as well, guys? Oh,
2: don't mind oh. producing another six degrees. To
0: yeah, let's see if we can we can work something out because being together, I don't know how the audio thing will work. So
2: I can I can do two if you like. So. No, I'm just
0: Ooh, thinking of the technical thing. We've got to yeah. plug in headphones to hear it because of the. uh I'll
2: work then, actually. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps going on what we've done today, we could do like another game show. We could do a, a, a play your cards right or, a, you know, the price is right or something. I don't know
3: <laughs> Teddy Alex. <Attics. laughs>
2: Jim will fix it. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, strike
3: it lucky. <laughs> Top, Whoa. middle, or bottom?
0: Bottom. Yeah, bottom <laughs> boys, isn't it? So that's it from us, guys. <laughs> that's been the last walks. It's been Martin Scorsese. It's been Paul. It's been Charlie. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank S- you. See you in a couple of days' time, mate. Next episode, which is Tommy. See you soon. Cheers. Thank you very much, bye See you later. bye <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs>
1: The management of this theater suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. Astrid Armstrong, step that Infernal Jamboree is worse than two cats on a fence. You dudes get lost now, you hear. Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. You feel down try positive thinking that's what I told the man said don't wear a frown try positive thinking laugh at your troubles instead you've got to look on the bright side on hope so much depends with your confidence sinking, positive thinking helps you on the way my friend when things look black Try positive thinking, treat every season of spring. No glancing back, try positive thinking, trust what tomorrow may bring. This crazy world that we live in will keep on spinning round. But with good, strong, positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down. Up, you ugly bitch. All shut up, we enjoy it.